0: Every Transfiguration Sunday, every time I read this Transfiguration text, whether it's from Mark's Gospel or Matthew's or Luke's, I have two things that always come to mind. A tree I once saw and a cloud I once saw and felt. The tree had bright yellow leaves, which always puts me in mind of autumn camping trips with my daughter and our mutual love of the trees in, uh, that turn yellow in the fall. So my eye immediately was uh, drawn to this one bright yellow tree. And it was an unusual sight to behold. I was in the mountains of western North Carolina in Late November, I was alone there for a reading week in a house that looked out over a mountain range. Very few trees in sight had any leaves on them at all. And the ones that did have leaves on them were very brown. They were barely hanging on, getting ready to fall. But every morning, I would go out on the porch to watch the sun make its way up over the ridge. And you know, if you spend any time at all in the mountains, how that works. It's a late morning sunrise when you're in the mountains. It takes time for the sun to get up over the ridge and make itself known. But when it did, every morning its light would find that one tree stubbornly hanging on to its brilliance. And when the sun hit it, the tree seemed to catch fire. I sat every morning and watched that in awe, transfixed by this transfigured tree, its leaves beautiful in their dying. The other thing I think about on Transfiguration Sunday every time I read this text is driving up a high mountain overlooking San Francisco. Getting out of the car on a bright sunny day in the Bay Area at an observation deck on the top of that ridge and looking out over the city arrayed below, beautiful in the late afternoon sun. And then in a matter of seconds the fog came up over the peak from behind us and the sun darkened and the wind was blowing I was told after it was all over at least 60 miles an hour I could barely stand in place I felt as though I was being pushed over the ridge we were enveloped in this cloud in this fog People gasped and some shrieked out loud in surprise and sudden fear. Things were blowing away that people were carrying with them. And I remembered in that moment how many times I had watched this from down below. The fog rolling in, as we say. What my brother would always call God's air conditioner in San Francisco. The fog would roll in over these very peaks. And from down below, it all looks rather peaceful. The clouds seem to gently roll in. But here on the mountain, within the rolling clouds, not so much. Not very gentle. Not very peaceful. Frightening. I think about both of these experiences. A yellow tree out of place, among the bare limbs around it, lit by the sun, and the violent cloud enveloping us on the mountain. I think about these experiences on this Sunday because I get much the same feeling hearing this strange story as I did on those days. The story, as you know, just heard it, is very simply told by Mark Jesus takes three of his most intimate disciples the core of his leadership uh, Peter, James, and John with him up to as Mark says a high mountain unnamed Mark is careful to help us know that it is an isolated place that they go off by themselves alone to this place and they see Jesus in this altered state that uh, metamorphosis is the word that is at the root of the Greek word that's used here. He's transfigured. He's, he's changed. And the only description that Mark will give us beyond that is that his clothing shines like the sun. And Mark, reaching for metaphor, says they are, they are brighter than any bleach could whiten them. That's as close as he can get. Elijah and Moses are with Jesus, and Peter, the one who always speaks before he thinks about what he's going to say, proclaims it's good for us to be here, and lets us. And he stammers out something about building three booths for the three of them: Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Which prompts a very unusual thing in the biblical text. Mark, the narrator, lets his own voice be heard. And he says, Peter really didn't know what to say. Because they, meaning all three of them, were terrified. Terrified. And you know how it is when you're afraid. When you're afraid, you try to immediately assert control over the situation. You fight, or you flight, or you, or you have ideas like building boobs on the mountain, containing the lights, uh, bringing this experience into conformity with your own expectations. Peter was afraid, terrified, really. So he brings up building something. Giving this experience a name. Anything to keep from having to feel what he is feeling. It's interesting that the Greek word used here for terrified is ekphobos. You probably heard here the word within that word for phobia. It's extreme fear this terror this word is used only one other time in the new testament in hebrews 12:21 and the quote is indeed so terrible was the sight that moses said i tremble with fear that itself is a quote from deuteronomy 9:19 9, and it's the only time the word is used in the old testament so this is a unique a unique word that captures a specific kind of fear or terror. It's the fear that one experiences in the presence of God. Knowing that you are in that space where God is so terribly near. Moses, you recall, went up on Mount Sinai, and there he saw God face to face. And God spoke the words of the law, so says the tradition, to Moses on that mountain. And when Moses came down, each time he came down from that mountain, his face was glowing, the text says, such that the people were terrified, and they begged him to cover his face. Even the reflected glory of God was just too much. And you remember the story of Elijah as well. The prophet had angered Jezebel and she announces that before the next day is over she will take his life in the manner in which he has taken the lives of her prophets. And it frightens him so much he flees to Mount Horeb and cowers there in a cave. And while he's in that cave, you recall he hears the sound of a mighty wind breaking rocks. God is not in the wind. And then he hears an earthquake, and God is not in the earthquake. And then a great fire, and God is not in the fire. And then he hears... The sound of sheer silence. Don't look at me that way. That's what the text says. The sound of sheer silence. And I don't know any better than you what it means to hear silence. But hear it he does. and He wraps himself in his mantle and he walks outside that safe cave trembling before God who speaks in the sound of sheer silence. So it's significant that these are the two who are with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, there together on the mountain as they had been before, sharing the same kind of experience they had shared before. This is the disciples Sinai this is their Hora. this is the place now to listen the only voice that speaks in this entire story before the very end is the same one that spoke on Sinai and Horeb this is my son the beloved listen to him This is the counter to Peter's fearful attempts to control. Listen. In that place of fear, listen. Moses was listening on the mountain of Sinai. God told him that he would have to walk with this people, this stubborn and stiff-necked people, through the pain and uncertainty of the wilderness. And Moses does walk with them for 40 years in that wilderness, bearing their pain and guiding them to the threshold of the promised land. Elijah listens to God out of that sheer silence, telling him that he's far from alone and that he should come out of that cave and move toward the confrontation with Jezebel to the place of danger. And Jesus tells Peter, James, and John that they are to keep quiet about what they have seen until he has risen from the dead. The path they must follow from this place of transfiguration and light leads not to glory, but to the cross, where the suffering servant will die. And here we are, at the foothills of the season of Lent, which begins in just a handful of days. This Sunday, we too are witnesses to Jesus enveloped in light. We too are called to listen to him, to walk down the mountain with him toward the cross. We too are invited to enter into that place of fearfulness and vulnerability with faith and courage to tread the path of Moses and Elijah and our Lord. And I'm glad that this text comes to us before Lent begins every year. Because frankly, I I need Lent to make sense of this text to make sense of this event. I need a good long while to ponder. I need weeks of reflection. I need the journey to the cross because for me or any of you or for those disciples to rush down the mountain screaming out with a, a boastful and glorious shout of a glowing Jesus and a vision of Moses and Elijah without having gone to the cross first would be easily misunderstood. Jesus tells them to keep quiet. He seems to know they need some time. As Fred Craddock says, You can just come down the mountain, of course, and say, Guess what we saw today? But it's too soon. It's too soon. I'm glad Jesus says, Don't worry about it to the disciples. I'm glad He says, I'll lead you into Lent, into Holy Week, to Good Friday, to Easter. And then, then you'll find your tongue. And be able to tell of what you've seen and heard. Think about John Calvin today. He always, one of the things he's emphasized over and over again in his writing. Was that God's revelation to us was veiled. Veiled. Like Moses' face. And it comes to us according to our capacity to receive it. So it's veiled in human words. It's veiled in bread and wine so that we can handle it. Sometimes you catch glimpses of it in blazing yellow trees. Sometimes in fearful, enveloping clouds. Sometimes in a vision of our Lord wrapped in light. It can all seem too much, really. And we need time. Time to listen, time to break bread, time to drink from the cup. Lent, for us, is that time. It invites us to take that slow walk back down the mountain and listen to the one whose words are life itself. So the invitation stands. To you and to me, this Transfiguration Day, the invitation is to see, along with the disciples, to see in your mind's eye, Jesus, now alone, turned toward Jerusalem, toward the cross, walking alongside us and speaking. The path lies before us. We are not alone as we walk. Listen to him. Listen to him.